0: For more details on Russia's invasion of in the Ukraine and how impacting the markets here at home, let's welcome in Mark Hamrick, Senior Economic Analyst at BankGreat.com. Mark, so glad that you're able to join us to talk about this. Obviously, um, here at home, there really could be some intended or unintended consequences from inflation. We're seeing commodities on the rise. There's even talk about we're going to get back to gasoline lines. Um, Here at home, investors and Americans, what should we be thinking?
1: You know, it's just one thing after another, isn't it, Nicole? Uh, something else to uh, sort of enter into our consciousness, uh, aside from the tragic uh, human consequences that uh, we all acknowledge uh, going on in Ukraine, and and that's where our thoughts, first of all, go to. But then, obviously, it's our job to try to dissect this and look at how it does affect the economy and Americans' personal finances. That's our lane. And so, I think, first of all, you know, you you go first to uncertainty, right? And 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 yet there is certainty that what has happened in Ukraine is quite dire, but we don't know exactly what happens after that. you know, it's it's been fascinating to see the Nasdaq Composite uh, bounce today. Uh, we'll see uh, how whether that's lasting or whether that's a five-minute phenomenon. In terms of the economy, uh, uncertainty, higher risk going forward, and downside risk—a new uh, variant, if you will, introduced in that conversation—meaning downside risk because of Russia-Ukraine and exacerbating inflation pressure. You know, it, to the degree that we've talked in recent months about, you know, could we be nearing peak inflation? Could should we be resolving the worst of the supply chain difficulties and now we have sort of a new series of equations to go into those calculations and and so you think about something as you know, in the past might have been as irrelevant uh, as anything that Russia is a producer of palladium, which is used in the manufacturing of automobile exhaust systems. So then we go back to the vehicle assembly challenges, right? And that's just taking a very narrow look at something. And, of course, things as important, as you said, uh, with fuel, uh, oil, gasoline, heating fuel, especially for those in Europe who are more heavily dependent on that.
0: Right. So the, at this point now, we, we got that GDP print. Um, you know, We think about consumer sentiment and consumer spending. Jobless claims get right, coming in a little lower than expected. So things were feeling like we knew, and it was at least calculated, what we could expect from the Fed, from our year ahead. Um, what can we count on as investors? I mean, we're still going to see the Fed rate hikes?
1: I think so. I think the Fed is going to have to signal at that March 16th meeting through the words of of Chairman Powell that it's going to have to remain more flexible uh, and that this conflict, uh, as we say, has added some downside risk. But let's go back, you know, sort of to the Old Testament of of the Federal Reserve, and that is its dual mandate and then sort of its secondary mandate. So the dual mandate being maximum employment, it feels like it's pretty much achieved that. Uh, We can nuance that argument to death. But let's just say that that they're feeling pretty good about that. Stable prices, you know, giving them a school uh, letter grade, uh, that might not be a passing grade right now. And, and so that's where Not only is it to be attentive to that problem, but also try to preserve uh, what might be left of their credibility in this situation, which is sort of hanging by a thread. And we think, you know, back over 20 years, Nicole, about how, you know, the Fed probably made a policy mistake going into the great financial crisis. We saw that, you know, ballooning of the housing sector and then the bubble bursting. And now perhaps having added too much stimulus into the U.S. economy, working in concert, of course, with elected officials are now needing to correct that.
0: So that being said, now, when we look at the different sectors, right, Um, for example, we're seeing financials being beaten down today, this week, the markets this year, um, we're seeing the NASDAQ, which was down 20% off its record. We had seen uh, the Dow down about 10%, more than 10% off its record. What do we think about different sectors and where potential gains could be?
1: You know, you, you kind of have to think that the best days for growth stocks uh, have been interrupted, right? And and, and we know that in, in the sense of what's happened very recently. And, you know, when we have surveyed professional investors, they have tended to uh, come around to the thinking that value uh, is probably going to be where uh, they want to be uh, for, let's say, the next 12 months. Uh, But having said that, uh, you know, you look at what the market's doing today and and you think, well, you probably want to be in growth over the long term, right? I mean, you don't turn away, let's just say, from the apples of the world uh, on a permanent basis simply because they've been beaten down. You you know, you want to have some exposure to those stocks within a well-diversified portfolio. So, you know, this is another situation, Nicole, where we think about the historical returns of the stock market, the tendency on the part of the stock market to buy. Bottom and then recover after events like this. And obviously we don't know what dominoes are yet to fall, if any. But you know investors have to be exposed to equities for the long term, particularly in an environment where the outlook for fixed income is not particularly rosy. Uh, and so you know diversification is key. Uh, because very few of us uh, have the superhuman power to be able to know what's going to happen, uh, let's say six months, uh, a year from now, much less in the next 24 to 48 hours.
0: Yeah, and what are you finding about consumers as far as uh, behaviors? Are they digging into the savings? Are they, yeah. they've been trying to pay down debt? I mean, they've certainly haven't been so conservative on the spending. What is it that we need to know about the consumer? Because that ultimately affects GDP going forward.
1: Yeah, great question, Nicole. And so first of all, Nicole, Nicole, consumers are now having to sort of walk unassisted at this point because uh, the fiscal stimulus from Washington has essentially uh, left the building. Uh, The Federal Reserve uh, wants its part of that uh, to be uh, non-existent uh, to some degree as well, though I do think the Fed is going to try to probably err on the side of caution with respect to not interrupting the economic recovery and certainly not causing any damage to financial or financial conditions. So consumers are taking on more debt because they're not getting the child tax credit benefit, for example, or other economic stimulus measures. And uh, But nevertheless, household balance sheets broadly are still seen in good shape. Uh, but the savings rate uh, outlier uh, numbers that we saw uh, during the downturn when people were either forced to stay at home, uh, not allowed, not really able to spend on things that they would have in the past. Those things are going back to a more nominal condition. And, and that's a good thing because that means that there's yeah. money to be spread around.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting because, I mean, we've seen wage growth happening. We'll have a lot more to discuss going forward. Thank you so much. Good to see you, Mark. Thank you. Mark Hamrick of bankrate.com. Thank you.